This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. Welcome to Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. I'm your host, Leonard DiLorenzo. Samantha Pavlok doesn't believe you have to choose between being Catholic and being a feminist. She's even got a popular blog to prove it. After earning degrees in theology and business, and now as a full-time working mom, Samantha launched Femme Catholic. Femme Catholic has the not-so-modest mission of working to promote truth about women in the church and in the world. She'll talk with us today about her own vocation, her inspiration, her work, and her message. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So, you know, you've spent your college years pursuing what probably seemed to many people like irreconcilable interests. You were a business major on the one hand, a theology major on the other hand, and you even took some courses in gender studies. And I imagine like most people who would see those interests lined up next to each other would think that at some point you'd have to make a hard choice about which direction to go. But you haven't really done that. You haven't made a hard choice. In some ways, these things have been integrated. How do you understand, I suppose, like who you are and what you do as your vocation as a Catholic? Oh, that's such a good question. And <laughs> it, to be honest, I, I think for a long time, I saw them as kind of disjointed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I saw my friends in business, you know, doing the business thing wholeheartedly, and I was kind of their weird theology friend, and then <laughs> <laughs> my theology friends were, you know, doing the theology thing, and I was like the weird business person, and uh, gender studies, you know, I, I just didn't even fit in general, um, but I, it was re- it was really authentic to me, mm-hmm. I think, that mix, and r- really, once I finally accepted that and sort of leaned into it, um, it all started, so, you know, a couple of years after graduating Notre uh-huh. Dame, I had heard about this conference called the Given Conference, mm-hmm. and it was for Catholic women leaders who would get to go to this, you know, all expenses paid, like, week in Washington, D.C., just hearing from different women leaders, and I was like, that sounds cool, um, and so I applied, and you had to come up with an action plan where you were reflecting on your unique gifts. And so it sort of came out of that, like, well, what makes me unique is this weird combo of interests Mm -hmm. that I have. Um, But again, it always felt like it really fit me well. And I think once I stopped doubting that and just said, you know, this could actually be a gift, not like a, an oddity. um, I thought, okay, well, maybe I can kind of put some information out there about the, the insights that I have had walking this line in the middle. Um, and so I started the blog, Femme Catholic, and it was supposed to be a, originally just a space for me to share the insights that I thought Catholicism brought to the secular culture and sort of these like feminist ideals that a lot of women have now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and also call out the places in Catholic teaching where 
you know, JV2 uses the word feminism in Evangelium Vitae. A lot of people are surprised by that, but he used the word. Um, he claimed it within the walls of the church, not just as something floating out there, in other words. Yeah, yeah. And he said, he said, you know, we need to rise up. Women need to respond in the name of a new feminism. But Catholics, I think, are so afraid of that word in general. Mm-hmm. And, and he actually claimed it. And then, you know, the other popes have written some incredible things about women and our role that, that sound very sort of feminist, but they're yeah. actually straight from the popes. Well, let me ask you something about the Given Institute, since you named that as a sort of pivotal time for you. We had, uh, as as maybe you know, Elisa Italiano on our show, who's the executive director of the Given Institute, telling us a little bit about that recently. What did you experience in particular at that conference that opened your eyes and kind of presented you with a new way forward or a way of integrating what you'd been wrestling with previously? I think that what the Given Institute did and the time there at that conference, it really just gave me the affirmation that this weird line I felt like I was walking wasn't actually weird (laughs) and that it actually could be a call. Whereas I think maybe it's natural for people to just compare themselves to others and you're always trying to figure out where you fit. And the reality is, you know, the things that make you different, I think really are related to your call. Um, but it can be hard to see that or to believe that. Mm-hmm. And the Given Institute really just affirmed in me that, no, this is not a mistake. This is not, you know, you're a defective theologian and you're a defective business person. <laughs> um, you know, like you're, you're not just not good at either. Like maybe both is where you're supposed to be in mm-hmm. this weird space. Were there, I suppose, like the the centrality of kind of role models of people that we can look to and sort of see what's possible or see the kind of creativity that might be necessary for each of us is really important. I wonder, were there different kinds of role models that were presented there or different kinds of people who offered testimonies that gave you part of this new vision? Yeah, well, a lot of women from the Catholic Women's Forum Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. spoke, and they have been Many of them have been an inspiration to me. Some of them have spoke at the Edith Stein conference at Notre Dame mm-hmm. in the past. And that was where I first sort of was introduced to this idea that there was a Catholic feminism. And a lot of those women have professional careers, have families, you know, but are doing speaking and these, these things on the side to talk about what the church actually says and have really educated me and shaped me growing up the past few years. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, I want to make what's the work that they're doing more accessible and kind of share my commentary and like follow in their footsteps, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, coming out of that conference of the Given Institute, you had an action plan and your action plan was to start this blog that you've already mentioned, which is Femme Catholic, right? I want to talk a little bit about that and, and give you a chance to tell us a bit about it. But first, let me just ask you about the title of the blog, Femme Catholic, because right there, it seems like you're making some kind of statement that by squishing those words together that uh, may really say something to people. It's Femme Catholic for women, for the church. And maybe the first question people would have, as we've been talking about, is can Catholics be feminists? 
Yeah, it's, you know, depending on what you think that word feminist means, uh. I think you're going to have a, a really different response. So some people grew up in the era where feminist, it did kind of mean, you know, running around with your shirt off and going to protest. Um, understandable that you might not want to associate yourself with that word. But then other people might have heard about it, you know, from JP2 and this whole idea of new feminism. And I think sort of in the middle somewhere is the idea that feminism is allowing women the ability and access to, you know, the rights that they deserve to be recognized as equal dignity with men, but also to share their gifts in the world. And Catholics very much believe that. So I think that in terms of a Catholic feminism, it absolutely exists and Catholics can be feminist. You know, the there's a uh, secular definition of feminism that floats around that says, you know, if you believe men and women are equal, then you're a feminist. Mm -hmm. And the catechism literally says that men and women were created in equal dignity, you know, in the image of God. So Mm -hmm. in in terms of the secular definition, you know, Catholics can raise their hand and say, well, we believe that. And welcome to the party, right? Yeah. (laughs) We've been saying that for a while. Yeah. So then you have to go down the route of what does that mean? And what are the implications of that equality, which is a much larger discussion, but Catholics can absolutely be feminist from, from that perspective. And I think it's important that we articulate that we are mm-hmm. because I've encountered so many women specifically who said, I saw the church as very outdated very kind of oppressive to women. And as a woman, I thought, well, I'm not going to explore this institution that you know, oppressing me or not letting me have full access to whatever it is, the jobs in the church, like Mm -hmm. being a priest. And for Catholics to to raise our hands and say, wait a second, no, there is a Catholic feminism. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you how I absolutely see myself as equal to men. And here's why, and here's how I understand that within the realm of our faith. I think it can really open up a lot of doors Mm -hmm. and help people see the Catholic faith in a in a new light. Wonderful. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Samantha Pavlock, founder of Femme Catholic, a blog dedicated to promoting the truth about women in the church and in the world. Now, Samantha, you were just saying, like, in some ways, we need to have larger discussion about what the catechism plainly states, but is clearly not well understood. And in fact, doesn't say everything. There's a lot of creative room to understand the equal dignity of men and women and really the dignity of the human person in general. What kind of conversations are you generating or are you interested in generating through Femme Catholic, your blog? I really want to create a space where people can come together and talk about reconciling kind of this empowerment language for women that we see in feminism with the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. And some people might have thought, you know, even before I was in Notre Dame and, and was a theology major and started reading encyclicals, even I thought those two could not coexist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I started reading encyclicals and, and these different things that the popes have written over the past really like 50 plus years. 
And I saw, okay, the popes are advocating for pay equity. They're advocating for women being involved, you know, in the workplace, in politics, in all areas of the world. So this very empowering language. And I thought, well, let's talk about how Catholics can do a better job sort of embracing these things the popes have said, and then getting involved in the world and promoting sort of the the case for women and women's issues, and then tackling some of the secular solutions to women's empowerment. So a lot of modern feminists have sort of hung their hat on birth control mm-hmm. as the key to women's freedom. And as Catholics, you know, we don't condone birth control. All right, but let's talk about why and what, what the actual issues are and whether or not it actually helps women. Some Catholic just did a survey it was an anonymous survey of women who've had abortions or people close to women who've had abortions. Wow. And we, we, yeah, we asked them, uh, what did you need that you felt like abortion was the best choice for you in that case? And the answers really, truly resonated with, I think, what a lot of the pro-life movement has tried to put out there, that women need resources, they need support, they need to know that they're not going to be judged. There was a woman who said... She had no idea that her campus actually did have alternative housing Hmm. and that if she had known that, she would have made a different choice. And so I think if we really take the time to listen to women, it helps better inform sort of our Catholic values and how we can serve them in those types of ways. So in that way, you know, from this survey, it sounds like you're you're finding that many women felt like they're in position of being disempowered by their circumstances or by the resources that were available or by what they thought was possible. And so a certain option in this case, the option of abortion, seemed like the only possible route for real empowerment. So I guess my question then is, is there a kind of renewal that we have to undertake in the church to make the empowerment of women more possible. And and you've brought up one way in terms of, or one kind of area in terms of support for pregnant, especially young people, I imagine, but maybe in terms of governance, in terms of voice, is there certain types of renewal in the church that you would like to see to really unleash this message that you're trying to advocate for, which is the empowerment of women in and by the church? Yeah, no, I think that I would really like to see, um, I think, as Catholics, we're in the world, but not of the world, right? And we're familiar with that, but I think we need to kind of check how we've taken on sexism a little bit from the world. So it's a little bit minor, but I think it speaks to a larger issue that there's the old joke, like, woman, you know, make me a sandwich or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, or, oh, that's that's girly or you're doing that like a girl or just kind of checking the way that we have taken on, I think, worldly sexism and how we tend to see the way that women lead, which is more, it tends to be, you know, more collaborative or more people focused. GP2 talked about that as such a gift, but I think we need to think about, are we recognizing the women leaders in our circles and are we seeing that as a gift or are we still looking for this kind of, more typically masculine image of, 
the person who takes charge and is loud. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny because that's in many ways my personality, even as a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, but I think it's important for me to even recognize that that's that's one aspect of leadership, but that a, a really integrated leader, you know, Jesus could be very bold when he wanted to be, but he was also very people focused. He was mm-hmm. very, you know, exemplary of what I would call some of these more feminine charisms. Mm-hmm. And so I think challenging ourselves to be in the world, but not of the world in that way, you know, maybe recognizing and encouraging the gifts of women. Like I said, the, I think the biggest gift from the given conference for me was just the affirmation that I could be a leader in a way that I, I didn't think before. And I think a lot of women could benefit from that kind of affirmation that, hey, you know, you're really good at this, or you really seem to have a gift for this. You should step up or maybe consider serving the church in this way. And I think, I know you guys recently had a, a podcast on the vocation of the laity. Right. And that was such a good, it was such a good episode. So everyone should go listen to that. <laughs> this is um, Father Michael Sweeney, right? Yeah. But I think that as we start to address some of those issues and recognizing that priests are not the entirety of the church, mm. <laughs> you know, and as we do that, it goes hand in hand to recognize that lay people, men and women, really have a role in the church and need to step up. So women themselves need to recognize you know, if I see a problem or I see a need, do something about it. Yeah. Say something about it. Right. Talk, talk about it. You right. know, like use whatever you have in your life right now. Respond. Yeah. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Samantha Pavlock, founder of Femme Catholic, a blog dedicated to promoting the truth about women in the church and in the world. I love what you're just talking about because you were talking not just about raising up new leaders. You were talking about the kind of leadership roles or the imagination about leadership that's there to absorb new leaders. And really, in some ways, I suppose you could say that you're you're imagining an almost uh, ground-up effort where rather than waiting, as you said, to be invited into this particular position or that particular position, to recognize the needs of the church, the mission that's there, and to act on it, to sort of take on leadership creatively, as you've tried to do and are doing with Femme Catholic, for example. These new forms of leadership, what kind of models or examples have you seen just in the last few years in association with your work and the people that you've been interacting with, um, especially through Femme Catholic, but maybe other in other places? What kind of forms of leadership have you seen? Oh, that's a good question. I think I have seen people just sharing their gifts. So we have a, a Facebook group online mm-hmm. for Femme Catholic and discussion. And there are some women in that group that clearly have sort of a charism for knowledge and are very articulate and very good at explaining themselves. And they just participate in that group. But truly, you know, the sort of new evangelization of social media, I think people really can have a conversion in an intimate space like that where they're asking questions and even just reading along with the discussion, just planting seeds. Like you never know what the Holy Spirit can do with that. And so I think if you have an interest and a passion in that, 
you can lean into it and, and do it that way. I have a friend here in town who's a mom of six and working and she runs a blog and Instagram called one Hail Mary at a time. And I think even <laughs> just her witness. Yeah, it's really great. That's a great um, title. Her witness <laughs> and leading in that way, just living her life, but kind of sharing the behind the scenes and, and how they make it work and encouraging people. She really encourages people to pray the rosary. Um, and so I think just living into your gifts and your life, one of our contributing writers on Femme Catholic just wrote a post about stepping up and being a lector at church. And she's, you know, a young millennial woman, her young 20s. And she said, I recognize that there was a need. And so I have taken this on, you know, to, to be a lecturer at church. Um, so I think wherever you see that there's a need, responding and not being afraid to that it's insignificant or that it's not some huge initiative because, you know, Jesus didn't come and start a business, which as a business person... <laughs> <laughs> Would have been easier. Here's your uh, action plan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, like you... What's your funding kind of plan, funny. Jesus? I know. Well, and it's it's like in business, everyone would say, well, start a company. Yeah. But Jesus didn't do that. Yeah. And so I think that that's the kind of thing where being a sort of a dual business and theology-minded person is really interesting to compare and contrast because he was very effective at spreading his message. And, and he didn't start a business. He didn't have a marketing plan, you know? <laughs> he, he sacrificed. I don't know if he was an accountant. Yeah. 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 It's and a, built yeah, relationships with people. Yeah. Yeah, the persuasiveness of an embodied witness, here the embodied witness of the Son of God that inspired the others to become witnesses of him, um, which isn't, like you say, it's not necessarily a business plan to make who you are and how you live a witness to what's true, but it turns out to be the most persuasive and effective plan of all, it seems. I wanted to ask you about this short phrase that you've used, I've noticed a couple of times, which is lean in, which we've heard it, we've heard this elsewhere, certainly, as well. What do you understand the meaning of that to be, to lean in? Yeah, so the the pop reference is Facebook COO, Sheryl Sandberg, mm-hmm. had a famous book called Lean In. So yeah. for women, it was sort of career advice that went viral and and told women to really lean into their careers before they had kids mm. and and to sort of make the most impact in the workplace was, was her idea. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't think she's all wrong. I, you know, I think the idea of leaning into what you're meant to do is a great idea. And so to me, lean in means be intentional. Mm. And JP2 has, JP2 has a great quote. Um, I think it was during an address to young people. He said, do not just go from door to door. Like life is not a series of endlessly open doors. Mm-hmm. Make a decision and cho- choose, you yeah. know, choose and move forward. And I think that especially millennials right now, we have a really hard time doing that because we can go online and see all these different choices and see. And to be honest, that was another thing I think the Given Institute sort of forced me to do was commit to an action plan (laughs) Mm -hmm. and commit to one plan and move forward and stick with it and, and pray about it and then say, okay, God, you know, I'm going to keep going with this one direction 
and that obviously we continually discern, but I think leaning in means choosing a door and moving forward. Make it, I like that a lot. I mean, that's, that seems like a really important corrective to what Sheryl Sandberg is saying, because as you, as you even noted, she was saying, lean into your career before family. So it's, it's lean in and be intentional, but it's already coming with a value matrix, as she was saying it. And you're saying, you know, I'll, I'll take the intentionality, but not necessarily the pecking order of values that she's advocating for. And maybe it's you seem to have a unlikely ally in that, which is Michelle Obama had recently been quoted as saying, you know, in response to this invitation to lean in, she said that, well, we'll edit it for the radio. That stuff doesn't work all the time. You can't always just lean in. You have to choose and order things and be intentional. So maybe a, an unexpected alliance and message correction there. All right, we're coming towards we're, <laughs> yeah. we're coming towards the end of our time. So I was wondering if you could let us know where people can find you online. Where can they tap into what's going on at Fem Catholic? So it's pretty easy. It's fem f e m Catholic, all one word. dot com. Femcatholic. dot com, and then we're on you know Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, just at Fem Catholic. All right, very good. Well, how about one last parting piece of uh, advice? I'm thinking of my own daughters. I have three daughters, three sons, but we'll leave the sons to the side. I have three daughters, the oldest of which is 10. You know, there's a lot of messages swirling around that she'll encounter. She's already encountering about what it means to be an empowered woman, a strong woman. What would you want to say to her if she were to hear one thing as, well, I doubt she's listening, but if she were to hear one thing that would be important for her to pay attention to or to think about, what would you like to say? I would say look twice at the church teaching and and ask God, ask Mary to reveal to you the vision of empowerment that is there, because it is there. And I think in so many ways, you know, this is for men and women, the idea of obedience, the idea of being person-focused, the idea of being vulnerable and sensitive, those are not things that are celebrated as empowered, but they're things that, you know, God used in women, in Mary specifically, to do incredible, you know, life-changing work for all of us um, in her life and in obviously all of our lives. So to look twice at the church's vision of empowerment. Love that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Samantha, for being with us today. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Church Life Today.